Omar's wet panties? Yes. I mean, it's pretty much open air. It's, you know, we're, we can talk about whatever we want. It doesn't matter if it's on our script. It could be your favorite topic, which is what? Omar's wet panties. There we go. That's a thing. Yes, that's correct. But you are listening to the Give Me Five podcast and Omar's Wet Panties. <laughs> this is episode 282 brought to you by, that's right, the Give Me Five podcast patrons. We love you guys. I, I think that was the name of his avant-garde acid jazz band back in middle mm -hmm. school. Omar's Wet Panties? Yeah, yes. it was. I'm just going to see how many times we can say Omar's Wet Panties in this episode. <sighs> I really can't title the episode that i'm gonna say it so many times you're not gonna have a choice <sighs> <sighs> This is the Give Me Five podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things, such as Omar's wet panties. <laughs> we talk about things like pop culture, entertainment news, movies, music, books, Florida, kind of whatever catches our eye this week, such as... I'm not saying it. <laughs> Omar's wet panties. <laughs> my, my name is Scuttle, and I'm joined by Sebastian... Um, Squawk? Squawk? <laughs> no, that's the, the that's the crab. That's the crab. That's the crab. Holy <laughs> shit! I got it. And he's the one that has daughters. He should. Oh my shit. god! Get the fuck out of here! Oh. Sebastian has been banned from the show. Yeah. Flounder, how you doing over there? Well, uh, I am smelling a little bit fishy, sort of like Omar's wet panties. <laughs> Thank you. I, I can't do this. I'm done. I'm done. I can't do it. I'm out. I'll see you guys. <laughs> I'm going to go watch the last six episodes of Secession because I'm behind. Oh, <laughs> God. This week, we're going to talk about the series finale of The Marvelous Miss Maisel. <clears throat> the Little Mermaid. Sisu. We're also going to take a listen to the album V by the band Wooden Shijips. Uh, it's just pronounced ships. It's spelled shijips. <laughs> spelled with a J. They're out of band names. They're out of band yeah. names, so now they have to just throw random letters into current <laughs> band names. Shijips. <laughs> By the band Wooden Shijips, and we're going to take a journey on the Galactic Star Cruiser. Spelled the normal way, I assume. Correct. Yeah. Just wait until we start listening to Le Along Jed, with Omar's Le Leplin. <laughs> or whatever. Fled's Leplin. <laughs> <laughs> I did see Les Zeppelin, the all lesbian Led Zeppelin van. I've saw, I've seen them live. Okay. They were good. Yeah, I'm good. Um, so, uh, so, what what should they worry about, Omar? Uh, they should worry about me being on the right age at the right time. Let's see. Oh, they should be worried about spoilers, but we're not assholes, so don't worry about. Uh, actually, there may be. Sometimes we do that. There, there could be. There will probably be spoilers, especially as it pertains to the Galactic Star. Okay, that's fair. But, and we'll get into why later, but that is fair. Um, mine is an album, so there's not really a spoiler there. Um, 
But there could be. We do it occasionally, and we're not doing it to be jerks. Um, if you if you're listening and it's something that you haven't read, uh, read or seen or listened to or whatever it is, use your discretion. You can always come back later because um, I, for one, hate having things spoiled. Personally speaking, so like the fruit in your fridge. Correct. And oh my. Thank you. Okay. Nothing spoiled about this. <laughs> it's always pretty fresh. There is nothing spoiled there, good sir. I'm going to push forward yes, here. Yes. And I'm just going to keep talking regardless of what is happening with those two. Uh, okay, we're going to not be disrespectful and talk about Omar's undergarments for just the next few for seconds. For a couple because, of minutes. Yeah. It's because the queen has passed, not the British one, but Tina Turner. Uh, who obviously everyone knows who Tina Turner is. You have uh, uh, one of the you know one of the original soul singers, and in a very bad relationship, and then had a crazy story of how she escaped that marriage with Ike Turner, you know, sneaking out of the house. I think she had like fifty cents and like a gas card, and she like ran across a highway to get away. And it's crazy because she was already like was an musician. international like musician. Mm-hmm. What was she like? Eighty six, I think. Just passed, yeah, I believe, believe so. so. She was in her eighties, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we heard some crazy stories about her life. Um, you know that didn't even make it in the movies, didn't make it in the books, things like that. And then, of course, had a major resurgence in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the people I'm very sad that I didn't get a chance to see live. Yeah, she's like known for. Her. Well, in in the eighties, she had a couple of uh, she had a couple of big hits with like a, a movie soundtrack, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like uh, Mad yeah, Max, Beyond Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, well, then of course there was the movie "What's Love Got to Do with It," mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which came out in the nineties. Angela Bassett that played her. It was. It was. <clears throat> I, I read a really interesting. This is not what I was planning on saying here, but I read a re- interesting story about that uh, when she when she died. Um, she was saying that Angela Bassett didn't play Tina Turner as Tina Turner exists in real life. Like Tina said, I you know. Don't play me as you think I am. Like play me based on the like the vibe you get from me. Like the like listen to my music to get the soul of the music that kind of thing. Don't just mimic me. And people, it's funny because people say that like she nailed that spot of playing Tina Turner, even though she was technically not actually trying to. So I mm-hmm. thought it was kind of interesting. That is very interesting. I've never heard that before. And and I do believe that on one of our previous episodes, way back on episode fifty, we had a lot of stories about Tina Turner from uh, the wonderful Timmy Capello. Is that correct? Yep, Timmy Capello was the saxophone player in uh, Tina Turner's touring band, as well as did a bunch of saxophone. Uh, I kept keep wanting to say saxophone like Homer Simpson, saxophone uh, player on. A bunch of the I th- what what songs had the saxophone? I think we uh, we don't need another hero yeah. had saxophone. There's a couple others, but like he wrote those saxophone parts, uh, and was basically an employee of Tina Turner, as he said. And sometimes she opened up about her past and mm-hmm. would say things like, you know, just and he told some of those stories, which were some of them were like, oh my god. So it's heartbreaking. Um, it's a little really, bit of an order episode, so I don't know what really the sound quality is. If you haven't heard it, yeah. So it's episode fifty. Came out in two thousand eighteen. You can scroll back in the feed if you want to listen to it. It's a, uh, a little bit longer and probably a slightly different sound quality because we had different microphones and 
different editing software and much less skill, uh, which is saying a lot. Have less than I currently have, but it's uh, it's a, it's worth a listen. We've had uh, random people from magazines call us up and be like, "You guys had great rapport with them. Can you get us in touch with them?" So it's kind of cool. So uh, our condolences to Tina Turner's fans, friends, family, uh, me, all of that other stuff. So, condolences. Yes. Now. Uh, we recently talked about ghosts on this, on this podcast, right? I forget, I forget why. Um, I forget it was a movie or something review. Maybe that TV show, the, with the, the British kids like chasing ghosts or something. Um, maybe we recently talked about ghosts. Uh, apparently, uh, ghosts don't just happen in TV shows and movies. They also happen in Florida. So... WTF, our, baby. Yes. Go on. So our Florida story of the day uh, could be a warning for all of us. We don't know. Soon it could be cats and dogs getting together. Mass, mass hysteria. hysteria. It, it might be coming, and we need. We will have to apologize to Andrew George, who's currently in jail for breaking into a home because he, was, he claims that ghosts were chasing him. So uh, last week... Uh, he was booked for two counts of burglary uh, in Daytona Beach, uh, which is, of course, in Florida. And it was weird because they went, the police called because of a shooting, but it wasn't actually a shooting. It was like, I guess, him smashing into the house or something. Uh, the police arrived. They found a dude laying on his back in the front, on the front steps of the home, covered in blood and crying in, out in pain, uh, which the story gets weirder and weirder. It was like way. a night out with Rob. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Now, don't you have to have actually stolen something for it to be considered burglary? Uh, As opposed to just breaking and entering? That's a good point. That's a good question. Yeah, it could be. Well, we'll have to, uh, maybe, he, maybe he had something in his hands. We don't know. Uh, anyway, so he was laying in pain. His, uh, his accomplice, Natasha Kacheroy, was standing over him as he was laying there. Uh, so here's the story. Both of them got a hotel room at a nearby travel inn uh, where you – I mean that's – unless you are planning a nice long weekend of doing meth, I suppose. Uh, I, I think travel inn is really the, a place where you go if something breaks down. Um, something has to be broken down either in yourself or on your car yes. to decide that travel inn <laughs> – decide that the, tra the travel inn is where you want to be. Um, Anyway, so they went there, and um, they were in that room for about 30 minutes when they heard a window opening and thought someone was breaking in uh, because, you know, people really are going for that high-ticket high item by breaking into a travel inn. Uh, they ran out of the room, and they demanded a, a, a refund for this room because uh, we're not safe here, which, you know, okay. So they got the refund, and then they realized there was a shadow following them. According to documents, um, they ran across the street to hide from the shadow. Uh, then they ran, they ran into a 7-Eleven and asked for help. So it's not like they just made this stuff up. They were like legitimately like asking other people. So it wasn't like we broke into this house and the police are coming. What do we say? A ghost. No, like they thought there was one. Uh, so they went to 7-Eleven, asked for help, and then they went to the Halifax Marina and were running around in circles in the parking lot due to the ghost chasing them. 
this is George specifically. He was running around in circles. Uh, he he was said he was scared of the ghost, and the ghost was going to harm him. So he jumped in the water at the marina to hide from the ghost. Um, Classic mistake. God. <sighs> I was unaware that this was this long because uh, I just, in case you're wondering, <laughs> I didn't. I I stopped reading earlier. And there's more. <laughs> so buckle up, everybody. <laughs> um, if you'd like to get, if you guys at home would like to get popcorn, perhaps pull a nice, pour a nice glass of brandy. Brandy. Um, maybe light some incense. I don't know. Whatever it is, you people do a cigar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a cigar. I mean, you can, might want to do your taxes because it's going to take a while. Uh, Anyway, so uh, he thought that she thought he fell into the water, so she helped him out. They ran into a neighborhood across the street. Um, he, they feared that they were still being chased by the ghost, um, so they banged on a bunch of doors screaming for help. Because I know I, at whatever, two in the morning, would answer the doors when someone's banging, saying, there's ghosts out here. Yeah. <laughs> the fucking last line of this story is hilarious. <laughs> uh so anyway, uh, eventually the dude grabbed a chair, smashed a window, and went inside. The people living inside called 911 and threatened to stab him with a kitchen knife if he didn't leave. I'm going to make you into a ghost, sir, if you don't get out of my house. Uh, and uh, <laughs> then he told officers he couldn't get get into the home due to God telling him the female was a bad person to hang out with. So he, I guess, then thought that the people that owned the home were actually God? Uh the suspect also told officers to hear children's voices and didn't want to scare a child. So at least he was a nice, crazy person. Uh, he also admitted to taking Molly. Also there it is. Yeah, thank you. yeah, there we go. That and took a that long time to get to that. That's why he believes God was not pre- – oh, that's funny. I believe that's – God was not protecting me because I from making bad choices. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even – I can't even unwrap that. Like, I don't not a bad effect of the drug itself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that one comes with self-loathing. Excellent. <laughs> so, such a fucking shit. So I'm going to have to admit something that when I found when I found this story, the reason why I didn't read all the way down was because not only did this guy smash a window, he actually he actually made someone me pee on my own floor because I was laughing <laughs> while I was reading the story and peeing. <laughs> so yeah. that's the thing that happened. So I had to jumped in the water to try and get away from the ghost and check him out. And I was like, and I, I thought to myself, this guy is King Florida man. And I ended up peeing on the toilet seat and the floor and I had to then wipe it up, making me, I guess, also King Florida man. So thank you. And you'll be getting a bill for uh, Lysol or, uh, or those wipes, the Lysol wipes. So that's so funny. excellent. Excellent. I love those this stories. Is so ridiculous. Really and is. no one other than Ghost Guy got like harmed. So that's exactly <laughs> like every so often it's like you know we'll, we'll find a story and be like wow that's completely ridiculous and then you get to the part where he's like and then he beat a cat against a wall until it died. It's oh. Like, oh well, that's that, not good. <laughs> good, good. That's less fun. Gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not nearly as good as we the really other just things. need to read these articles all the way to the end before. We... <laughs> <laughs> It's just not good. And another oh, one slipped man. through. Yes. Damn it. Hmm. Uh, so, I'm going to talk to you, speaking about reading all the way to the end, huh? You there? Mm-hmm. Talk to you about the Marvelous Miss Maisel series finale. Uh, we talked about the show, I think, one other time. Technically, two other times. Because I talked about it when it first came on, and then I also talked about it as one of my top five of the year, of whatever year it was. Uh... If you have not watched the show, it is on Amazon Prime. Um, I'm, this is kind of a closing out thing, so I didn't really do all the normal 
stuff. But um, after her husband leaves her, a young mother of two, Miriam Midge Maisel, discovers that she has a talent for stand-up comedy. So she kind of has like a little bit of a breakdown at a comedy club and hops up and starts talking and everyone thinks her funny. She's funny. And then it basically shows uh, her life. And it's it's very interesting. It's very, very 50s and 60s. There are certain things that – you know when you hear about certain things in the past and you're like – how did those actually? How did that actually work? Like just like little things, like the F, the uh, said FSO, but I meant um, oh shoot, FSO is a work thing for me. Uh, the uh, USO, like going overseas to like the troops in World War II and yeah. stuff, and you're like, how are they sending all these celebrities to like? Because everything I've ever seen about World War II is just a lot of mud and like you know people dying, and like I obviously know there were bases and things, but like. Like they show some of the background of that stuff. It was just a it's just a very well done, very well researched show. Um, I loved the characters. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess. But um, it's just worth if you have not watched it. It's definitely worth watching. Also, it also made me really uh, love the. Uh, I'm looking up some of the character names so that I don't uh, do that. It made me like really like love reading about comedians, uh, but. Uh, the two leads, Rachel Brosnahan, uh, who is uh, Midge, and Alex Bornstein, who is uh, Susie Meyerson, who is her like uh, manager. Uh, Al- or sorry, Alex Bornstein plays Susie, her manager. Uh, but Rob, you know Alex Bornstein because she is the voice of Lois Griffin. Oh, okay. And she's she is awesome in this. Like she's. Just a badass, like, little spitfire manager. They never actually say that she's a lesbian because, like, it would be, like, brutal for her career. But she kind of grows into one of those, like, those agents that you heard about people, like, in the 70s and 80s. Like, oh, you don't want to cross them. Like, she kind of grows into that character. But um, so it's mostly set in the, in the 50s and 60s. But this season was the last season. And they were start, they started jumping around. And then it was interesting because it wasn't just, like... Like, one episode would have four or five different types of jumps to different time periods and, like, sometimes left you with a little more questions. You know, like, why is her ex-husband in jail? That kind of thing. And, like, you then have to kind of piece it together based on what you've already seen. Um, it's like, oh, he must have get caught, got caught for that thing that he was doing. But, like, they don't ever explicitly say it. But the final episode was was really good. I always like when I accidentally run into a final episode without realizing it is a final episode. Oh, I don't like that. Because you get the... Because, like, I mean, I do. I, do, I don't know why. Because it, it, it kind of lets me know if they actually stuck the landing. Because it, like, ends and I'm like, oh, wow, that was really good. I can't wait to see. Or that was really good. Then I know they did it. But if it's like, oh, okay, that's interesting. What are we watching next week? Or what are they going to show next week? I'm like, oh, wow, they didn't really close that out good. Well, oh, that's a good way to do it. I just Because I, I agree yeah. with that, with what you're saying. And I feel like when I don't know it's the ending and I see it. I'm like disappointed. Like I wasn't prepared for it. Mm-hmm. So I got to kind of, I look ahead a little bit. I just finished um, house because I never like saw the end. <clears throat> and I had to look ahead because I knew I was like a couple of episodes away. Anyway. <clears throat> gotcha. Yeah. So um, the way this season went, the main portion of the season is that she is a writer. So of course the beginning, she's a writer now. Um, she was, had been a comedian uh, she was a writer for like a late night talk show that was uh, kind of up there with uh, Jack Parr kind of style show. 
Uh, they did a really good job mimicking like an old school like Johnny Carson show. A very good job it, to the point of where it's like almost parody. It's so spot on. And they do this whole thing where she's the writer for it. And of course, they have to start off with the, well, the other writers in the writer's room aren't taking her seriously. But it's not over the top. Like It's not like, well, you're a woman. You can't do that. It's like – it's more like, well, you're a woman. You should write this article – you should write this joke about the detergent, which is – and back then, that was the way it was. So it's not like it was over the top. <clears throat> but it goes from there, and then she – the whole thing – the reason she's doing this is to get on the show because it is the number one show in America, and if she gets on the show, all of a sudden people are going to know who she is. Uh, and that's basically kind of the impetus for the season. Uh, last episode is called Four Minutes, which I'm not sure if you know what that means when it comes to comedy or anything like that. Uh, there's, you know, Four Minutes is your spot when you get on one of those shows, like a talk show. Like you get you get four minutes to impress Johnny Carson, and then maybe he'll invite you to the couch, that kind of thing. So that is that was kind of how it ended. It the thing I really really liked about this was, you know, a lot of times these shows when they end. They have to find some way to, like, pull all of the characters back together to kind of give everyone their send-off. And this one had a perfect one because she was going to be on the show, duh. And so she called everyone, like, from her parents to her in-laws to everything else to watch or to be there for the show. So they were able to kind of pan through the crowd and show all of the characters that you had seen throughout. So it was um, – I thought it was really good. I did tear up when she finally had her little success. Uh, the one thing that I thought was a little interesting was that the big block to the whole season was something called The Rule. And it was this like very manufactured barrier that Gordon Ford, who's the talk show host guy, is like, no, we won't, let, we won't ever let any of our writers on the show because it's bad luck. And there's a producer that uh, – was like with him for a long time and basically then there's another producer who basically hates everything and Susie the manager like it keeps on hammering that other producer like the lower level producer and until they become like they kind of learn from each other and it ends up allowing both of them to succeed uh, so it's really kind of a funny like I hate you but we're gonna become successful together and that, of course, leads to her being on the show and breaking the rule, and it was it was a good ending. There's some very good uh, sections of this show throughout the seasons, so definitely worth checking out, and it definitely told a very nice, complete story. So I will give it – I'm going to give it an A- minus for the, the entire series. Okay. That's solid. Yeah. Also, huge crush on Rachel Brosnahan. Huge crush. Okay. She's I'm sure she's hey. happy to hear that. Very nice. Don't you talk about her. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Okay, so, I don't know, you guys talk about stuff now. Things and stuff? I don't know, what do we got? Yeah. You want to talk about... Star Wars? That's got to be finishing. That's going to be the finale? That's got to be the end, yeah. yeah. Okay. I can talk about Sisu, or you can talk about your album. Uh, Let's talk some music. Sweet. All right, I'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rob is going to check into the hotel again. Um, and when I get out, you'll still be here talking. Sure. 
Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, so the the band is called Wooden Ships. As Rob said earlier, it's Shijips. Uh, it's spelled S H J I P S. I'm not sure how that happened. Um, so <clears throat> fucking people trying to be if, creative with their <laughs> people like that write down a a like. Well, we'll just call it this for now, and then they end up getting signed, and oh, they're like, damn. shit. That's our name now. <clears throat> um, like when you run across the kid whose name is Maverick, and it's spelled M-A-H-Y-V-E-R-I-C-H. <laughs> it's like, what in the fuck were you smoking? Did you want your child to be beat up all of the time? <laughs> why? Just, just it's, why? It's so much, but... <laughs> but, uh... So... <clears throat> this is, like... Kind of a sort of a random obscure band. Um, quick, quick story. The uh, remember remember the show Boardwalk Empire um, on HBO. Mm-hmm. I do love, I love that show. I love that show. The the intro song to that show was just really awesome. Like the as uh, the opening credits are playing, there's this really great rock song, and I kept hearing it over and over again as I'm watching. I'm like, what is that? And I look it up, and it was called. It was a band called the Brian Jonestown Massacre, and they're the ones who do that theme, the theme song for the for Boardwalk Empire. Um, the song is called Straight Up and Down. Anyway, um, I was listening. I became a fan because I really liked that song and listening to their other stuff. It was it was really, really good. And it's kind of like Velvet Underground type, like 60s, sort of darker, kind of droning on psychedelic rock. And one and on Pandora, like I just did the Brian Jonestown Massacre Station. And then I keep t- kept hearing these other songs. That were that were popping up that were just awesome, like these really great melodies and like just really cool tunes. I'm like, who is this? And it turns out it's Wooden Ships, and um, or Shijips. And so I just kept listening and listening, and I just found myself being like completely into not just Wooden Ships or Brian Jonestown Massacre, but just like what band? The, yes, that's <laughs> another great band. Um, <clears throat> just that like whole kind of modern day psychedelic sound because the record V that I'm talking about is from 2018. So these bands are around like now, like they're not, this isn't really, really old stuff. Um, this record was released May 25th, 2018. It's only 42 minutes. It's like seven songs. Um, the label is called Thrill Jockey, which I've never heard of. Um, it's an American experimental and psychedelic rock band um, from San Francisco. They formed in 2006. And as of now, V is their last album. It just sort of, there's almost like no information about these guys. Um, Now, if you saw them live, uh, what would you throw on stage? Rob? Oh, he really did leave. Um, I would would throw your wet panties. I, I was that's what I was going for there, but a five dollar bill as a tip, tip the band, because I'm generous that way. <laughs> that's very nice. <laughs> and the other thing, yeah. Um, You'd wrap it in the other thing, <laughs> exactly. And um, so they're yeah, they're like experimental, kind of psychedelic, spacey, minimal, very minimalist sound. Um, they've been compared to like Velvet Underground, some of the Neil Young stuff. Um, they're very like like the Doors, 
they have that very 60s keyboard sound they they're not afraid of a, of a tambourine every now and then um the vocals very very dreamy you know <laughs> i wouldn't be scared to, i wouldn't be opposed <laughs> to having a tambourine in this break <laughs> i think we should do it um it's very psychedelic like very, very the hooks are very psychedelic but the hooks are almost the guitar the guitar parts are they're almost poppy some of them like they could they're they're like that 60s poppy sound but not all of them they, like omar's wet panties <laughs> Correct. No, I asked what what uh, if he saw them live, what you would throw on the stage or what he would throw on the stage. Yeah, but oh you missed God. it. Yeah. Um, so like fuzz guitar, like think, "Hello, I love you" by the Doors. You know that kind oh. of guitar sound. Okay. Um, okay. I could try it's, this. It's very good. It, it's the music. I can't spell it, but I can try it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's part of the test to get in. To uh, this band, this band absolutely hates autocorrect. <laughs> <laughs> right Shijips. that's why they like they were like you know what we quit we're not we can't do this it's like swimming upstream um yeah. very very cool very very guitar driven um kind of mellow background um the the vocals are droning i'm not even sure what he's saying half the time it's like it's like it's like almost like blends in but it's very very cool it, it the first thing i think of when i hear it is really like velvet underground like that's exactly what it's like so there's like a whole little subculture of these of of bands with this 60s sound that are um that are really really good and they're not getting really necessarily a lot of recognition but they sound fantastic um if you if you're into that sort of thing greg i think you would like i think you would like these guys and i think you would like uh, do you know brian jones sound massacre uh yeah. a couple songs and obviously the one from the show <clears throat> right 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 um yeah, I highly recommend it if you like that sort of thing. This isn't the kind of thing where you're going to I don't know, it's very mellow, like it's just chill out music. Or if you're just doing something around the house and or, or do, literally just doing dishes or whatever or or on you know, this is the kind of thing you would listen to like on a long car ride on your own like driving into the heat. Like it's very because of the way that it drones on and it has these like patterns, uh, mm -hmm. it's almost like meditative, you know, it's psychedelic rock, you know, but, but it's more, um, it's more mellow. It's not as, it's not like Mo or one of those bands that are a little bit more, okay. more like, um, punchy. Yeah. Okay. yeah. 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 These, these guys are very like mellow and drone. I love it. I, I think they're, they're awesome. Um, I have to try that. I probably wouldn't be able to do it while driving. I'd probably crash into it <laughs> while you were unconscious. That is very possible. But um, I definitely highly recommend this record. It's very, very cool if you like that sort of thing. So that's my that's a... brief review because I don't want to take up too much time with it. But I remember uh, I had a CD that it was. Uh... A sampler CD from, I think it was from a movie theater. And it started off with just a voice saying, and now 60 minutes of music by John Tesh. And I remember all I could think about is that is probably the last phrase most people hear before they fall asleep <laughs> behind the wheel. <laughs> There's like a Tesh-o-meter. Like, yeah, like how, how many people, the last thing they ever heard said was that phrase before they died. <laughs> <laughs> 
driving off yeah. a cliff or something. That's hilarious. Like Toons is the driving cat. Toons is. Oh my god, I forgot about Toons. <laughs> <Toonses. laughs> nice, nice uh, one. Toons is. Thank you. Thank wow. you. This is not the first Toons is reference I've made this month, by the way. <laughs> well, you have a rich and full life, my friend. That's impressive. <laughs> I'm still living in 1989. Good for you. <laughs> Love it. Excellent. I will check out the wooden shijips or shijip, uh, ships. I believe it's shijips. And I will, if I enjoy it, I will be still be angry about the name. <laughs> yes. Oh, but As but you'll shijips. be lulled into a sense of <laughs> sleepiness. A mellowness. You'll just forgive them. It's fine. You're just like, it's cool, man. Spell it how you want. <laughs> it's fine. After about yeah. 20 minutes, you're like, oh, I get it. Okay, I get it. <laughs> it's just a, it's just a weird fit. Kind of like... Rob. Kind of like... Omar's wet panties. <laughs> Thank you. I, I refuse to say it, because I'll gag. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's gross. Well, you you do when we tuck. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, uh, let's uh, talk about Sisu because I'm very actually uh, I'm interested in both things that uh, Rob is about to talk about today. So, well, bring... when I I think I think it was when I went to when I went to see John Wick Four. Um, there was an ad or there was a, a preview that came on before John Wick Four, and it was for this movie Sisu. Uh, it was released on April twenty eighth, twenty twenty three. Um. It was directed by um, uh, Jal Jalmari Helander, Helander, Jalmari Helander, and it does star Jorma Tomida, Axel Henny, Jack Doolin, Mimosa Willamo, Oni Tomila, Tatu Sinisalo, Wilhelm Enkel, Vincent Willestrand, Artu. Oh God. Capulanen, Capulanen, R two D two, Elena Sarella, um, Ika oh, Ika Koivula, Koivula, Max Ovaska, Joel Hirvonen, Pekka Hautari, Hautari. Wow. Okay. <laughs> When an ex-soldier who discovers gold in the Lapland wilderness tries to make the loot into tries to take the loot into the city, Nazi soldiers led by a brutal SS officer battle against him. So I was looking basically for a finished John Wick. And when I saw the ads, I'm like, oh my god, this is gonna be a finished John Wick movie. Where, so where wait, you you've been wandering the earth for forty something years just waiting for a finished John Wick. Or I was, just, I was, yes. Or you just saw the trailer and you're like, oh, that must be a finished John Wick. <laughs> well, that's probably what it was. Okay. I was wandering expecting it to be a finished John Wick movie where he kills Nazis. And I I mean I I kinda got it, I guess. Um it it definitely had a John Wick feel to the movie. Um it it was however a lot less plausible. Yeah. Um there were there were some entertaining kills. It it was kind of more in the vein of a Friday the 13th movie 
you know, where you you watch for the kills knowing, you know, that they're going to be interesting and clever and that there's absolutely no effing way that any of this goes down in real life and and that Jason wins. It's it's that kind of a movie. Interesting. Um the this 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 fucking dude is unkillable, I swear to god. Um he gets he gets shot, he gets hung, he gets beaten unconscious, he gets blown up, he fucking rides a plane into the into the the sky just holding on with a pickaxe. Um I'm like, "What? What the, what the fuck?" And you know, he acts hurt for a few scenes and then he's fine. And I swear to god, I think he can hold his breath for like 45 minutes. Okay. There there were there were some really interesting scenes um like th- there was entertaining stuff like he uh he got the Nazis to the the Nazis basically discover that he's got the gold on him they take it from him and then of course it's like you took my gold and blah 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 and then the Nazis find out who he is and he's like the Baba Yaga but he's not really the <laughs> Baba Yaga they call him like the immortal or some shit like that I don't know um and you know he he's got there's this one scene where he he's running away from them and his horse steps on a landmine and the horse is blown to shit and he's like and he's like oh i can't see i can't see you know the the shell shock or whatever um but they start shooting at him and they miss him and it kicks up all the dust and somehow he finds they send guys into him or they send guys into the dust looking for him and a couple of the nazis blow up from landmines and then of course he finds a landmine and just hucks it at one of the guys and it hits him in the head and he fucking explodes <laughs> it was it was awesome um and there's there's like another scene where he's running from them, and the only thing that he can do is jump into a lake. So he jumps into the I don't know where the fuck this lake came from, but he jumps into the lake, and there's a boat there, and you know they 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 fucking shoot into the water, and all the bullets miss, and they're waiting for him to come up, and he just never fucking comes up. I think finally he pokes his head up like a groundhog, and they shoot at him, but of course you know they're like stormtroopers, they miss, and you know can't hit the broadside of a barn. Um. <laughs> And he goes back under the water like some kind of fucking bobber on a fishing pole. Um and so he sends some uh the 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 leader of the Nazis sends a couple of guys out into the into the lake on a boat and he tells them to get in the water to go find him for some stupid reason, you know, they can just wait for him to poke his head up and keep shooting at him. But he gets them to go into the water and the the <laughs> The first dude jumps in the fucking water, and I guess he can't see shit because uh, the Sisu guy uh, swims up behind him, grabs him, and slits his throat from behind, and then, then, he sucks the air out of the guy's lungs through the cut in his throat. Uh... Nice. And I'm like, there's no fucking way. All right. I mean, it's it's kind of clever, but there's no fucking way. <laughs> well, so just no. I think it's possible. Omar, do you want to come over? Just, just, we... <laughs> <laughs> just we we need to test this. Yeah, uh, Rob, you two bring a camera and a knife. Well, just a quick biology thing. <laughs> okay. If he did that, wouldn't he be inhaling carbon dioxide? Blood. Yes. Um. Yes and no. You don't use all of the oxygen That's that you true. inhale when you breathe. So there would still be some oxygen in there that he could maybe that he could uh, that maybe would would be helpful. Okay, all right. But 
getting a solid seal on a neck and preventing the blood from going into your mouth as you inhale, you know, you, you would just you would just be choking on blood. Through Omar's wet pants. Nice. Um, oh God. That was awesome. God. You didn't um, even mean it to be that gross, but it was way grosser than you meant it. It was yeah. amazing. So he actually does that to both of the Nazis who went out on the boat, and then he pulls the boat in front of him, and he takes the boat over to the other side of the lake, which, incidentally, is probably only about 100 to 150 feet long. Um, And it's it's ridiculously deep for no reason. Um, it, it, It's probably a hot spring. And he, he gets out of the water and runs away, and that's when they actually hit him, and he staggers off, and, you know, he's hurt for probably about five minutes, and then he's back to obliterating Nazis. Um, He he runs away. They, they kind of come past looking for him. They're driving tanks. He's hiding in a car. You know, nobody thinks to look on the other side of the car where he's hiding. They just drive past it, and... um. He he gets underneath a tank and starts throwing guys off the tank into the path of another tank. And the motorcyclists behind him are like, hey, was that Bjorn? And they're like, oh, he squashed. It was kind of funny as fuck because the tanks were rolling over him and just squishing him flat like a grape. Um, But there was just all kinds of shit going on. And eventually they they um, they use his dog against him. They send his dog with a bomb strapped to it. John Wick, right? right? They send his dog to him with a bomb strapped on it. He takes the bomb off and tries to throw it away, and he gets it like he he gets it off and drops it, and it just blows up in front of him and kind of knocks him unconscious. And they take him hostage, and then they they fucking hang him. And this motherfucker, he 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 loses consciousness and wakes up after they've walked away, and he reaches over. And starts um and starts swinging himself a little bit until he can get his leg up and jams his leg onto a piece of rebar that's sticking out of the side of this sign that they hung him off of to take the pressure off of his neck. Wow. Interesting. And then he hangs there for like a day or some shit, like a day, day and a half, until a plane comes by and rattles the sign that he's hanging on, and the rope just kind of slides off. And it rips his leg open, but you know what? It hurts for probably about 30 seconds, and then he's back to killing Nazis. It's like, what the fuck? Well, I've heard never mess with Finland. Exactly, (laughs) and he kills those Nazis, he takes their plane, and he crashes the plane in front of the Nazis that stole his gold, and they're like, what the fuck, this is a plane, this is our plane, and blah, blah, blah. The pilot's dead. Where the fuck is the guy? I don't know. He he got away somewhere. So he crashed a fucking plane. <laughs> got out like a fucking daisy and ran off. He's got he there were no fucking parachutes, right? Um he ran off and somehow he ends up killing or no, he doesn't kill the guys on the motorcycle. The guys on the motorcycle realize that this guy is not going to fucking die. They drop their guns and they run off. And he just lets him go. <laughs> Because they made the wise choice. And so the Nazis finally get to the plane where they're trying to get away with the gold. And the one guy shoots the only remaining soldier. So he gets to keep all the gold by himself. And they start flying off on the plane. And guess who's on the fucking runway on a motorcycle? That's right. This motherfucker. (laughs) And he drives the motorcycle at the fucking plane. And the plane takes off like right before it gets to him. And he takes his pickaxe and he just jams it into the plane going 
full speed in the other direction. And he jams the pickaxe into the belly of this plane. And the plane fucking takes off with him holding onto the pickaxe up into the air. And he's like, you know, I don't know, a, a thousand feet in the air just hanging on with his fucking pickaxe. And somehow he... Uh, no, that's what happened. He he lets go and gets... um The pickaxe comes loose and he gets caught up in the wheel. And um, climbs into the plane that way. It's like, what in the fuck is going on? And then he gets into the plane and then there's this whole big battle. And he fucking... He, <laughs> He takes out the pilot, and he takes out the Nazi soldier, and that plane fucking crashes, and he just fucking straps himself in like he's going for a ride in in Dr. Strangelove strapped to the fucking bomb. <laughs> and, the, and the plane just obliterates itself on impact, and it's not... Okay, so it's not like the plane skips on its belly and skids to a stop. No, this motherfucker craters directly into the ground there's like a 50-foot crater that's like six feet deep. The plane is scattered everywhere, and this son of a bitch is still alive. I'm like, how in the fuck? All right. It, he's, he's fucking Jason. That's all I got to say about that. And then he starts kind of collecting his gold and walks uh, off. Wait, hold s- on. You know who else is fucking Jason? With their... Omar's wet panties! Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, that better be the name of this episode. Um, and and motherfucker just like walks off into the sunset with his gold. I I I I don't even remember what happened at the end. I was just so flabbergasted that this son of a bitch was still alive. And yeah, I'm like, all right. I looked it up. The dog does not die. No, the dog does not die. Apparently, there's some not so nice things that happen to a horse. That well, yeah, he was riding a horse when it hit a landmine and it blew up. That was the first time he yeah. got blown up. Yeah. So. Yeah, my favorite website does the dog die dot com, where I always uh, check before. Are you serious? Up. Absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. And and some of the kills were actually really entertaining. There was there were a couple of times where I'm like, come the fuck on. There there's no there's no fucking way. And. And I love I love the John Wick movies, but even I it, that even happened in some of the John Wick movies. But John Wick was at least more plausible than if the, if the two of them fought each other, John Wick and this guy, who would win? Um, well, that or depends. Where they would it, just fight forever? They probably fight forever because John Wick would shoot him like eight hundred times, and he would lay down for like like the Undertaker. He would lay down for like a minute and then just sit back up like nothing fucking happened. <laughs> Like what in the shit, the dude? Great reference. Nice sit up straight up, like, and we all know what we're talking about here with the sitting up, like. Mm-hmm. Nice. I have to sell it. I have to see it at some point. So, did you like the movie, or? Like I said, the the some of the kills were entertaining. It was it was interesting to see, but. The, it it got a little long. When it got to the point where it was just so fucking ridiculous, I was like, "All right, this the, I'm I'm invested here, so I'm gonna finish the movie." But I I didn't feel like I needed to finish the movie. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So I will wait for it to be free on streaming. There you go. Do not pay for it. So it's just too much. Got it. It, it was it was 
too ridiculous, yes. It was too implausible. Fair enough. That's, yeah, okay. It might have been more entertaining had they established that he wasn't actually a person. He was like a, a uh, uh, avenging ghost or some shit. That might have been, that might have worked, but no. He was, he was actually a real, he was actually a living person. Well, you, you can't fucking kill him, so he's gonna live forever, I swear to God. Um... But yeah, no. It, had he been like some kind of like supernatural entity, it might have been more interesting. But no. Well, I'm about to wade into uh, controversy Please. here. Oh God. So I'm going to give a review, of course, of the Little Mermaid, which just came out this past weekend, mm. and it is one of the Disney live action movies. And there's multiple way- ways to approach the whole controversy thing with Disney. There is, of course, all of the people that were up in arms that they hired Halle Bailey, Halle Bailey to play Ariel uh, because she is uh, darker skin. I don't know what her actually – I think she's from Trinidad maybe, but yeah. she's actually from like America, but she's – I think her heritage – either way. People my are really problem wasn't off. with that. My problem was that – Yeah, well, that's, that's, what, I'm, that's what I'm getting at here. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm leading to that. Okay. So, there, so there are people that are going to say they hated this movie because – they quote unquote, not my words. Race changed the little race Mermaid. swap. Yep. Yeah, uh, I don't care about that at all. In fact, I'm more likely to see it with changes like that. Uh, then there is the Rob reason. And I'm making this very clear. So <laughs> there, are not, there, yeah, are there, there, there are two. There are two. There are there is the Rob reason to uh, be angry, and that is just the general idea of live action Disney movies that are remakes of usually far superior animated films. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, maybe a deletion of red hair, which is just the re- the actual hair color. Although they do refer to her as red throughout the movie, mm-hmm. um, so her hair is reddish. I would say more like uh, uh, what's her face, uh, Empty's nest character hair. Okay. But anyway, uh, so Little Mermaid came out five twenty six, directed by Rob Marshall, who uh, who did the Chicago. He's done a lot of musicals, Chicago remake, things like that. Uh, Halle Berry, which I already mentioned, plays Ariel. Uh, Jonah Howard Cain. Halle Bailey, not Halle Berry. Uh, I keep on saying Halle Berry. Yeah, it, I've even typed it even as I was reading it. It's just Halle Bailey. Uh, Jonah Howard King is Eric the Prince. Melissa McCarthy, Ursula. Uh, Javier Bardem, King Triton. Uh, I'm just going to jump to some of the main people. Uh, uh, Art Malik, Sir Grimsby. David Diggs plays the voice of Sebastian. Jacob Tremblay plays the voice of Flounder. Aquafina is Scuttle. Scuttle, of course... The lobster or something, Omar. <laughs> uh, I, I'm well versed in all the characters. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, anyway, so uh, of course, this no one, everyone's seen this movie probably, like the original one. A young mermaid makes a deal with the sea, which to trade her beautiful voice for human legs, so she can discover the world above water and impress a prince. Um, so of course, I did actually enjoy it, but uh, I'll go. I'll. Just kind of do most of the things people talked about. Uh, the Ariel singing voice, incredible. Uh, if if they ca- if they brought a hundred girls in to try for this part, I see why they pick her. Why they picked Halle Bailey because uh, she was great. Uh, I will say I there are certain things I did that I really didn't like, and this is weird. Like because I noticed it in the crowd because it was a pretty crowded theater. The movie's done well. Um, the very first joke in the whole movie is King Triton. Uh, he 
calls his daughters to this is from the animated movie too but like he calls his daughters together and there's like where's ariel right and then he has sebastian like he tells sebastian like uh, you're the one that's going to go try to find her right and like sebastian kind of just like yes that's exactly what wait me like that kind of joke mm-hmm. um, where he's not really paying attention to what's being said to him and, okay that's the first joke in the movie it's probably about 30 minutes in and no one caught that it was a joke because like up until that point the movie is very like I don't want to say flat because it's not. It has some very pretty moments, but it's, like, not that kind of jokey movie. So, like, the joke happened. I laughed. And then, like, there was a slight moment's pause. And then everyone else laughed. Like, oh, yeah, that was a joke. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't that it wasn't well delivered. It was just it was, like, the first time. Like, everything else was, like, let's look at these beautiful shots of swimming in the ocean and all that stuff. Um, it's like if you're watching 30 minutes of a nature documentary and all of a sudden someone makes a joke and you're like, what? Wait. Huh? Oh, okay. Huh? So I thought that was interesting. Um, the voice of Sebastian wasn't nearly as warm as the animated one. Just something I noticed because I, I really liked the Sebastian like character right. in the animated yeah. movie, like where he was, you know, he was basically trying, you know, trying to get her to behave, but also like, I guess. Like girl, you know, teens will be teens, kind of thing. Um, so the voice is a little bit flat, um, but the character and the way they did it was pretty good. I'm um, definitely weird seeing the animals as actual fish and crab. Definitely weird. Uh, good. Did they did they do it again where they took all of the emotion off of the faces? Because that's that's one of the big problems when you go hyper realistic and again it's it's such it's such a cop-out to say oh well we want it to be realistic we want it to look realistic well you're talking about talking animals i mean let's flounder let's... is definitely just a fish oh, it's so fucking stupid but the crab because of the the way the eyes are you know the crabs have those like the stalks with the eyes mm-hmm. in it where they're they're more oval shaped with like the yellow with the little black line in the middle he's more expressive also flounder's not in the movie nearly as much as i thought um, there are some weird decisions, but I don't remember if they're weird decisions because of the animated movie. So, um, the first time you meet Scuttle, he's like, is he underwater in the movie? No. Like, he has a very, like, he's, he goes underwater to talk to them for a little bit, and then someone's like, okay, oh, I gotta go. And he's like, yeah, I gotta breathe. And then he goes out. But, like, it's really weird because it happens, and then they're having, like, a fairly long conversation. And then I was like, wait, is she above? Because I thought she was, because of the way it was, I, I thought she was above water talking to him. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, she's not supposed to be up there yet. But then I realized that he was underwater. And it was, I thought that was a little, I thought that was a very weird thing that like, I felt like they could have probably found a better way to do it. Yeah. I mean, you mean like how they did it in the fucking cartoon? How do they do it in the cartoon? Is it- she goes up to the surface to talk to him. Well, this she goes up like, specifically she's... to talk to him to ask him about like the the artifacts she found. Yeah, it is that conversation actually, um, and that happens underwater. Yes, like I f- would say about seven feet underwater. The fuck? Like I think possibly on a boat mast or something. See, to to me that that smacks of them changing stuff just to change stuff so that they can say oh it's 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 different it's not exactly the same well they actually gave some more backstory which i kind of liked so they like i don't uh, again i'm 
I have not seen. The, I saw the animated movie a bunch, but I it it's I haven't watched it in a while. Uh, there's okay, definitely so, there's definitely more conversation about Ariel's mother dying. So they can't have expressive animals. They can't have faces that with with uh, on animals to show expression. But they can have a fucking seagull underwater talking <laughs> for twenty minutes. All right, yeah, that that fucking makes sense. It wasn't twenty minutes, but it was still a while. Um, so I thought that was weird. I thought that um, like Javier Bardem. I usually like him, although I think I was ruined by him in the last Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, do you know this pirate? He's Captain Jack Sparrow. Because they did like the, the super lispy Spanish. The, like, the spitting as he talks. Yeah. like Well, like the, the actual like Spain Spanish accent is like yes, there's a lot of lisping. Of the, yeah. and, he, and he like leaned into it big time. Mm-hmm. So like now whenever I see him, I'm like, I kind of see that. Plus, I might have played a video of him saying Captain Jack Sparrow like, uh so, like, his delivery as King Triton was a little bit weird because I – my King Triton – hashtag not my King Triton. My King Triton is, like, basically, like, thunder. You know, he's a god and booming and mm-hmm. angry and protective of his daughters. And he was okay, but there was – it took a while for me to, like, wrap my brain around him as as King Triton. Um. Uh, Aquafina, I've had my uh, issues with too much of her in the past. Uh, this movie had just the right amount of her, if not a little bit less than it could have. Um, she was great as Scuttle, um, so I thought that was interesting. The underwater scenes that I, Hollywood still can't figure out how to do underwater stuff very well. Like, you know, we've talked about I think with Aquaman, like how do they talk, and what, there's other movies that have taken place underwater where we're like, do they just pretend? Like, they're not underwater, they do bubbles coming out of the mouth every time someone talks, or, like, how do they do it? And the, mm-hmm. the opening sequence when they are, actually, it's a sequence with the all the other mermaids, like, sitting around and talking to them. It's like, where they're just kind of sitting around talking. It's it's a little weird. Uh, Melissa McCarthy uh, steals all of the scenes that she's in, which is kind of expected. She was great. Um, I didn't know if there was going to be enough makeup to make her not just be Melissa McCarthy as a squid. Or is it a squid or an octopus? It's a squid, right? Octopus. Octopus. So, um, there's that. They've, uh, they did, I was, I was saying, they did add in some stuff. Like, they definitely went a little more into a couple, couple things. Um, stuff that they hinted at in the original movie. Uh, the, like, why all of a sudden is she, is he getting married, like, right away? And, like, it was this whole siren song of the mermaids. They, they really went a little more into that than they do in the, the other movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, that she was able to convince him to get married right away because of of the siren song. Um, because it's a musical, there are things that happen in like animated musicals that you expect that when they do it in real life, it's weird. So, like, if someone like steps off of the screen while singing a song in a musical, and then they cut to a sequence where like they're in a completely different location. You kind of, if it's animated, you're just kind of like, okay, whatever. But when it's live action, it's it's like awkward. So there's like a, there's a shot where um, uh, there's like a new song, and he's Eric's talking about like his path forward and stuff. And he's on the the deck of the boat, and he kind of steps off, and then all of a sudden he's hanging from like the net on the side of the boat, you know, like the one that goes up the mast. He's like hanging off the boat on it, like in one quick cut, and it like totally took me out because I'm like, it was just so awkward, like 
that wasn't even close to where he was. Um, like, how do you get up there? Uh, so that, I thought that was a little bit uh, one of the downfalls of like live action. Um, it's you know another one of those live action movies that doesn't need to exist. No, did it make some money. Yeah, um, did it have some parts that was like, oh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, was it entertaining? For the most part, I thought it was a little long at times. Thought there's a the the thing I really like about the Little Mermaid in general is like her wide eyed like amazement at the human world, and you don't necessarily get you get a little bit of that, but not nearly as much as you can do when you can draw the eyes like eight times bigger than the head. You know, so um, you're gonna have the same annoyances that you always do with live action movies. Mm-hmm. Um, do I regret seeing it? No, of course not. Um, my kid liked it. Um, and very was much it, like, th- was it better than the animated film? Well, no, of course not. Okay. Have, I don't think any of the live action movies have been. No, they're not. The jungle book might've been. And some of them are atrocious. I think I like the jungle book better than you, the Lion one. King. Uh, Beauty and the Beast. I liked, I didn't like it better than the original, but Be- Beauty and the Beast was the only one that I actually was able to stop. Is that the one, was that the one with what's her name from Harry Potter? Yes. Yeah, that was good. Emma Watson. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, the Jungle Book, I thought, was great. Well, the Jungle Book's what started this whole thing. I yeah, think. that's true. I thought that was... No, I thought Beauty and the Beast was the first one. You're going to make me look it up, yeah, aren't we're you? looking it up, aren't we? Uh, uh. Jungle Book was John Favreau, which is, I believe... Really? Yeah. Uh, that was 2016. Okay, I think um, I think the uh, the other one was after that. It was 2017. Jungle Book was 2016. Yep. Beauty and the Beast 2017. Okay. So, um, you know, it's I like when these Disney movies come out because they're definitely something I can bring my kid to, uh, in general. But I am not a big fan of remakes in general. I I like I need changes because if it's Again, if it's a shot-for-shot shot thing. Like, there's some shots that you know are, like, are going to make it into live action. Like, the underwater shot of all of the, like, debris and stuff from the ship crash. And you see, like, Eric floating. Like, where they did it. They shot in the animated shows, like, or in the animated is, like, looking up from underwater. Like, that shot, of course, the um, aerial on the rocks. Uh, actually. Thing back is arched. Actually, we forgot. The first oh. one was 101 Dalmatians. Uh, oh, like in oh, 1996 right. with Glenn Close. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was Alice. The Cruella de Vil was was a live action movie that was awesome, but it wasn't a remake. It was a prequel or something. And then there but... was Alice in Wonderland in 2010. Yeah, but I, I don't know if that was was that Disney. Oh, it might have been Johnny Depp being uber weird. Tim Burton. Yeah. So I'm going to shut up about the Little Mermaid now. Uh, if you like the original Little Mermaid, uh, I guess see it, but. Uh, if you want to kind of take your, your like to a different level, I guess. A live action level. So. Okay. And now, something completely different. I was just going to say that. Oh, that's that's funny. so funny. Okay. Well, I'm going to sit back and relax and listen about the Star Wars Hotel. Is that is that what we got left? Yep. All right. So... I'm kind of freeforming this, um, but I recently had the opportunity to to go to 
the Galactic Star Cruiser, also known as the Halcyon, in um, Chandrilla, Chandrilla Starline. And this is billed as a Star Wars-themed event, as opposed to like a Star Wars-themed hotel. Um, it's it's a two-night stay, so it's it's one full day, two half days, and two nights, because you check in like halfway through the day on your first day, and then you leave halfway through the day on your third day. It is It is very expensive. And that's one of the things that they've been knocked about. Um, I believe the the cost for the base room is six grand. What? Somewhere between five and six grand for a two night stay. Now there there have been some promotions and discounts running. Um, they have recently announced that it was closing. Uh, they were shutting it down as of September twenty eighth, I believe. Um. Anyone who was booked after that was offered the opportunity to rebook at half the cost. Um, we we had already booked ours. They had opened it up to cast members. We had already booked ours. And while we were on it, they actually made the announcement that all sailings from from now until... And I say sailings because it's a Star Cruiser, so it's like a cruise. That all sailings from now until the the thing shuts down were booked were completely booked there were no more openings on the galactic star cruiser so they they filled up relatively quickly now how much of that was people who had earlier bookings that decided to take the half off and do it um do it now i don't know why you wouldn't you know try and make those those changes if you were if it was feasible for you because you'd save a lot of money doing that but so the Galactic Star Cruiser is completely booked until until its final voyage in in late September. Um I was I was a little bit skeptical going into this. I I didn't know how much of this um ha- how much I was actually going to get involved with. Um I did go with uh Jen and two friends. So we we ended up sharing the hotel room. The hotel room, the, or the the rooms themselves, are not really anything super special. They are they are Star Wars themed, um, so it is neat. You do have the viewport where you can put up a blast shield at night to turn the lights off if you if you need the the dark to sleep. Um, we left it open because it it wasn't it wasn't too it, it was relatively bright, like you could see without any other lights on. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything that kept me awake. Um, and it was neat being, you know, looking out the window and seeing like, like, uh, starships just kind of floating by and you could see space and stuff like that. Um, it's not a very big location. They only have about a hundred rooms. Um, just like on any cruise, the food that you eat in the Galactic Star Cruiser is free. So you get to eat for free. That's all included in the price. Um, now, where this starts to differ from uh, various various um, Disney offerings is that you show up and you can you can be as you can participate as much or as little as you like, but you'll really get a lot more out of it if you participate. And they have they have 
trained stage actors who play the roles and you're supposed to interact with all of the people you can interact with the crew members the crew members do the same thing they they play along in their role um and there's a there's a ongoing storyline throughout the the length of the stay and basically you come onto the ship and then the ship is boarded by the first order who suspect that there are resistance sympathizers aboard the ship because there's there's increase in resistance activity or or rumors of resistance um uh uh pockets or um you know camps of resistance fighters where the where the starship docks and so he's try- the first order is trying to ferret out resistance sympathizers and of course, you know, most of the people on the ship are resistance sympathizers. Um, and it becomes a game of cat and mouse with them trying to mislead the First Order, the First Order trying to find the people. You have cameos from Ray and Chewie. Um, you can choose to help either the First Order or the Resistance or the Scoundrels. There's also a Jedi faction on board the ship, but the Jedi kind of coincide with the Resistance. They're, everyone is kind of against the First Order is how it ends up. And you can follow any of the any of the storylines that you wish, and in fact, you can probably do you can do more than one. We did um, we did mainly the, <laughs> and the people I went with were gung ho gonna go first order. They were gonna go first order, and then we got there, and the resistance storyline and the scoundrel storyline just sucked them in. They 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 were all in on the scoundrel and the resistance storylines, and. You know, we we talked with the players. We we started helping them out. We started feeding them information. The your phone has a um, has an app on it, the Disney Play, and it really became it really became a um, a very necessary tool because you have the the Play app actually becomes a data pad where they send you messages. Um, as the, as the story progresses, it's like, oh, you know, thanks for blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you, you interact with certain, with certain stations to, to show progress along the storyline. And then as you progress along the storyline, then they feed you more, more, you automatically get messages from these characters. Um, and like I said, you can, you can interact with the characters, you can feed them information, you can help distract, um, other characters. Like at one point they had, they had kids, um, telling the stormtrooper or telling the first order stormtroopers where, you know, oh, I think I saw something over here. And they would pull the stormtroopers away so that the, so that the resistance and the scoundrel characters could come in and steal something and get away with it. You know, it was, it was really, really engrossing. And I fucking loved every minute of it. It was it was so much fun. Um just just as an example how how involved this is. Um one of the things that I I really I really appreciated was they had a they had a store on on the the atrium, which is the the main gathering area of the ship. There was a store on the atrium. And they they had a whole bunch of merchandise in the store. You know, they had the normal the normal Disney stuff. They had costumes and and um you know lightsabers and and clothing and pins and stuff like that. Um, but if you walked into the store and you kind of hung out and you waited for the store to empty out a little bit, 
this total spoiler warning, by the way, if you're going on Galactic Star Cruiser and you don't want to know this, you might want to know this, but if you don't want to know this, you know, you might want to step away. Um, you go into the store and you wait for the store to kind of empty out a little bit and you go up to one of the employees and you say, or one of the, one of the crew members and you say, I was, I was wondering if you had anything that, you know, might ignite the spark. It's kind of their code word and they will stop and they'll kind of look around and they'll say, you mean light the fire? And then you reply, light the fire. And then they'll send somebody over to the door to watch the door to make sure that nobody comes in. And they grab this they grab this magnetic key and they take you over to the center console, like where all the jewelry is. And they, they look around and they bend down and they open a secret compartment with the uh with the magnetic key lock. And they have a whole they have a whole set of pins that are not displayed anywhere else. They're just displayed in this um in this secret compartment. And they are they are uh, cruise line pins that all have uh, hidden resistance logos in them. So, like the one pin will flip around and it'll have the resistance logo. You know, all the they they all have moving parts, and and when the parts move, they they display the resistance logo to show their their allegiance and their and their um their you know their intention to be part of the resistance. And that, you know, they, they ask you if you're interested in them and you, and you know, they're like, but please just, uh, just don't wear them with the resistance, with the resistance, uh, logo showing, we can't let the first order catch on, you know? And it, it, it's just that kind of detail is, it was just, it was absolutely amazing. It was so much fun. We, we did bridge training. We fought off a first order, um, a first order blockade with the, with the guns on the ship from the bridge. It was it was like a giant video game, you know. You're just shooting first order Tie Fighters and shit, um, and you know the first order invades and they they take people hostage. They send people to the brig. You have to you have to work together with the with the players to basically bust the people out of the bridge. They take a droid hostage, and the droid has like all of the information. Um, the the droid has like all of the information for the resistance on it, so you you can't let the first order get the droid. So you end up going down to Batu to get a um, a program for the uh, restraining bolt that you then upload onto the onto the mainframe of the computer through one of the one of the um, the ship's consoles. You know you kind of have to like get in, you put in a code, and then you upload the 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 program to release the restraining bolt so that they can free the droid. I mean, there's just so much, and you spend a day, you spend a couple hours down on Batu at um, Hollywood Studios. Uh, doing some of these missions, collecting some things, getting some. One of the other things I did, I did the Jedi, the Jedi artifact missions, and I was I was hunting down Jedi artifacts, and I'm hacking into hacking into uh, control panels. I'm gathering up um, um, supply crates. Um, I ended up with a Jedi artifact that you know Ray came and collected. She ended up on the ship, and it was a fucking Jedi holocron where they actually had a hologram of Yoda that came up. And talk to us for about, you know, three to five minutes. And oh, it was just fucking amazing. I loved every second of it. And it, whether or not it's worth it really depends upon how you feel about Star Wars. Um, myself, I'm not going to say definitively that it would be worth the six grand to go. 
but I had so much fun that I'm not going to say it wasn't worth the six grand. It was, it was that much of an experience. I, I, it's really, really hard to put into words. And it, it was, it was a once in a lifetime thing. And I mean, I'm, I'm really tempted to put myself on a waiting list to see if there's any cancellations. Because it, I, I, this is something I would love to do it again, and it is an absolute shame that they, that they're shutting it down. Um, I, I had, I had thought that maybe they would shut it down and open it up as like a Star Wars themed hotel, or maybe even shut it down and open it back up because you, you can't. I was like, you know, maybe they'll shut it down for a couple of months and then open it back up, you know, at a more at a more discounted price where they could actually sell the rooms out. But, you know, I was like, because they can't do that and still have people paying the full price because those people would just cancel their reservations and then rebook for the cheaper rate. You know what I mean? But then I found out that they actually did take a tax break on it. So there's no way that they're going to reopen it back up as is. I mean, I don't know how that works, like with the tax break, but they're, you know, they're taking it as as a loss or whatever. And so I don't know how much that I don't know if they can actually retool it and open it up as something slightly different and still have like a lot of the parts that are there. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. this, this so was... a couple quick uh, questions. Go ahead. Go ahead. So does everyone get to do all of the things? So like, are you so is it like you went and found that Jedi artifact? Yes. Does that mean no one else is finding the Jedi artifact? No, every it, it's it's a it's it, it's a mission that everyone is able to do. And are you like in a giant group with everybody when you do it, or is um, it like... well, no, it, when you're the Jedi artifact was on Batu, so when you're on Batu, everybody's kind of just running around doing whatever is on their data pad. So okay. I mean, you'll see people from from the Star Cruiser, but I mean, it was hard just to keep the the four members of my party together. I mean, like people were running off doing stuff. Well, I've met those people. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, He's one of those people. <laughs> yeah, so so it was it was hard to keep everybody together. You know, people were there scanning everything. It 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 wasn't that bad. Now on the on the ship, there were groups of people that kind of congregated around the actors as story was progressing and whatnot. Um, big. So yeah, so some of the things were were how you got you got cued into the next mission. You know what I mean? So by doing by completing one mission and your data pad actually records it. By completing one mission, it then it then opens you up to be able to receive the next mission. So if you don't complete the mission, it won't send you the next mission. Gotcha. And then, like for example, the the shooting the the Tie Fighters down is mm-hmm. that you have to do it at a certain time, or is it like yeah, you know what, we've got a couple hours to kill. I'm going to go upstairs and shoot some Tie Fighters. No, it was it was done along with the actual storyline. Okay. And I I was actually I missed the freeing of the droid SK. Because I was I was competing in a Sabak tournament, and I didn't know that story stuff was going down. Now, had I had I known that I would miss the story stuff, I wouldn't have done the Sabak tournament. And we actually we actually missed out on the lightsaber training, which I heard was a lot of fun. We didn't do it. We didn't do any of the Jedi training because the only time that we were able to get scheduled for it was the the end of the last day the or the the afternoon of the last night so all of the all of the story was like starting to go down you know what i mean the the culmination of the story was starting to happen at that point everything was starting to move 
and was like, I don't want to miss any of this shit. No, I'm not going to the, I'm not going to the fucking uh, lightsaber training. And the employees were like, you know, go to the lightsaber training. You know, it's a lot of fun. The story is kind of just a story. I'm like, that's what I'm fucking here for. I want to play. I want to be part of this. Um, so I, we, we missed out on some of the stuff. And that's one of the reasons why I would absolutely go again. You know, if, if, um, the right opportunity came up, I would absolutely do it. Um, cause there were things I didn't get to do, but it, it was, it was such an experience. It was so much fun. And the food, you mentioned the food on the phone with me. The, the food, uh, I hope that they keep this culinary team because it is a completely different culinary team to do the Galactic Star Cruiser. And they are fucking amazing. They hit it out of the park. All of the food that was free because because of the, the, the high price of admission, all of the food on the Galactic Star Cruiser was free. So it, and it was all delicious. It was all good. And the other question I had, mm-hmm. did they take the time to have constant spaceship sounds? You well, not constant, but you did have you did have reminders that you were in space. Um, yeah, like when you're on a cruise ship, you hear the the engines, you know, in the background and right stuff. there. And I, I swear to God, I I have no verification of this, and I, I I haven't looked, so I don't I you know. But there were there were times where I was walking down a hallway, and I'm like, it feels like this shit is moving. What the fuck is going on? Like, you know how, like, when you... I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise where, you know, at times it feels like the ship is kind of swaying a little bit. Mm-hmm. There were times where I was walking down a hallway where I thought the I thought the hallway was fucking moving. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Am I actually on a cruise? And I hadn't been drinking at that point yet. So mm-hmm. I did have some of the drinks. Some of the drinks were good. Some of them were not so good. But um, the, the drinks were not included. The alcohol was not included. But... Um, but yeah, it, it it felt like at times that that shit was moving, and that was not after you drank like you know, a, a job of the Hutt's mystical iced tea or something. Anus, correct. Yeah, I'm looking up Star Wars drinks in the background here. Uh, let's see, uh, alcoholic beverages from Star Wars. Let's see. Uh, did you have a? Um, I liked jet- the mark of the huntress. Mugen tea. No. Revnog. No. Mark. I don't think those are Galactic Star Cruiser drinks. You can milk a Rancor and just drink that. There you go. Just a little shot of uh, Alderanian rum. There you go. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that sounds fun, and I hate you. Omar, did you have any questions? Because you, you had said that you had a lot of them. Or no, you no, you them? answered. Like, I was wondering how much it cost and, like, what... I just didn't get the... Um... I just didn't understand the concept. I didn't. I didn't quite get. Omar's what like, it was. "What is Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> Do you Star Wars? <laughs> that the one with the monsters? Yeah, no. It sounds. It sounds really cool, actually. It 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 really was. And it was I mean, the, I'm so glad we did it. So glad we did it. Um, the uh, the one thing that I didn't know that I was kind of irritated about. Um, because I hadn't brought, uh, what I needed to actually address the issue. And I thought I was going to be fucked. Um, apparently they won't, they won't let you walk around with, uh, like if you come on with a lightsaber, they won't let you walk around with the blade on the lightsaber. I brought my lightsaber on and 
it requires an Allen wrench to get it off. I did not bring the Allen wrench with me. One of the other members of my party actually did, so I was able to get it off and carry my lightsaber hilt around. But I, I, yeah, I, that was a surprise for me because I didn't read that information. I didn't, I didn't know that. And, and when I said that, they were like, oh yeah, it was on the, it was on the instructions. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> now I'm the dumbass. But yeah, I, I didn't know that you couldn't, that you couldn't walk around with the blade on your lightsaber. Um, they did, however, allow you to have the blade on the lightsaber if you were doing like pictures and stuff. They just didn't want you walking around twirling the lightsaber, smacking people around. Now, when we went on it, there were there were only about 203 people on board. And the reason we know that is because the the employ- the crew members actually knew that because we were curious. We were at we asked how many passengers there were. The crew members actually knew that because at a certain threshold they have to have more staff. So there were there were only about 203 people. I think the I think the max is like 350. Um and and it was it was it was a good and I can't imagine it being at 350. I can't imagine another 150 people there. But um it was it was a great experience great experience i definitely would recommend it to anyone who is a a diehard star wars fan or anyone who happens to already have a reservation because they're the only people allowed to go yeah exactly nice okay well that's it we did it Uh, apparently we we did it i don't think we did a question because we suck i was gonna say i could do i could do my top five favorite things about the star wars galactic yeah do that real quick Go, go, go fast number one the, uh, well, we'll start with number five, the food. The food was absolutely amazing. Loved every bit of it. Um, number two, the ability, or number four, the ability to wear my costumes. Um, I I got all into it. I, I wore my costumes. It's not something that you can do a lot. At uh, Omar, this is a completely different type of costume he's talking about. Exactly. Don't get it. Don't get excited. Exactly. I don't think you were allowed. You still weren't allowed to wear to wear masks, but you could wear you could wear costumes. Um, number three is probably going to be the, the actual design of the ship itself. It was a lot of fun. Um, the, just kind of walking around and getting that feeling like you were actually on a starship was, was just, was just amazing. was a lot of fun. Number two is going to be the activities. Actually, the bridge training was was a lot of fun. They actually had a hollow sabacc table in the bar, the the Starlight Lounge. So I actually spent a good bit of time playing sabacc like on on during the downtime. Um and when you would select your cards and shit, they actually displayed on a little hollow monitor in front of you that the other players couldn't see and it was just so neat. Um but my number one favorite thing about the Galactic Star Cruiser was of course the storyline and and how it just pulled you in and made you want to participate. It was it was oh, just such an amazing experience, and I'm so glad I got to do it. Awesome. It sounds We're very glad awesome. to. We also hate you. I'm sorry. That's, uh... And I would have loved to have been able to get you and Mr. Scott on the uh, on the Galactic Star. Uh, Mr. Scott is a Star Trek situation. Oh, that Mr. Scott. <laughs> yeah, wrong Mr. Scott. <laughs> uh, okay, well, take us out here. Do we do we have uh, that contact information, Omar? 
Uh, yes, uh, bjshardware.com. It's um, <laughs> just off of Route 6. Uh, you got your basic hammers, your nails. Oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? You got like, your screwdrivers. That's the last time I do a favor for my wife's sister. You got <laughs> higher. Um, so they are having can, a sale. You can go to our website, givemefivepodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Five Podcast. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at Give Me Five Pod. You can email us directly, give me five podcast at gmail.com. Please, guys, leave us a review. Reach out to us. Uh, let us know if there's anything you want us to review. We'd love to hear from you. And I think that's going to do it for us tonight. And remember, like I always say, when opportunity knocks, let him in. He might have cookies. No, that's not at all what you should have said. When opportunity knocks, he might have Omar's wet panties. Oh, my God. <laughs> when opportunity knocks, he's trying to throw Omar's wet panties in your face. <laughs>